My dad has taught me to learn from my mistakes as I watched him learn from his. He taught me the power of trial and error, and if all else fails, you can always call dad. My dad gave to me an enduring appreciation for cringy dad jokes, a love and appreciation for making, listening to, and sharing great music. And I know that I have the safety and security of always knowing that my dad will be in my corner. Growing up golfing with my dad, uh, he really taught and modeled for me what it was like to uh, treat others with respect and with kindness and with patience, and uh, what it just meant to, to be a loving human being to one another. My dad taught me to be encouraging. If anyone's ever doubting themselves, he always has the right thing to say. What I remember best is the things he did. When there was a job to do, you did the job, you finished the job, you cleaned up the job, then you cleaned up your tools and you put them back where they belong. And I still do that on a good day. My dad taught me to be generous with my time and lead the next generation. My dad modeled for me what it is to be a passionate worship leader and have a heart for worship. Well, my dad taught me by example how to have a happy marriage by loving my wife. My dad taught me to smile often and to laugh even more. He taught me to not take life so seriously and that I need to look back on my past and my future and even my present and to love it myself. My dad did a lot of teaching by setting a good example, but there was one thing he used to say that, that really stuck with me. I mean, it, it changed my life. Don't eat yellow snow. No, wait, check the oil. Yeah, love you, Dad. The one thing I learned from my father is to be your kid's biggest fan. He was my biggest fan. I remember when I was a reporter in Kamloops, BC, TV reporter, and not often, but sometimes my stories would air in Vancouver. He watched every one of them. My dad taught me what it meant to be a great provider. He made sure that we had everything that we wanted. He made sure that we were always had a roof over our head, we had food in our bellies, but above all of that, he made sure that money wasn't the most important thing to him. So in providing for us, he was always there for us. He was at every sporting event, he was at every band event that we were involved in, and he just truly showed us that we were his number one priority. I learned that I never have to change the car tire because I can always call my dad. My dad was my coach when I was younger for hockey, and now because of that, I love the game of hockey, and it's so much fun for me. One of the most important things I learned from my dad is the gift of faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, to family, to integrity, to truth, and to love. We miss you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. So good. I feel like uh, a couple of the most important things that I learned from my dad was at the dinner table as kids and teenagers. Uh, I learned that uh, eating together is a vital practice for raising kids, and I learned that you serve others by asking questions. Dad was always asking questions, and they helped us make connections and made us think. And so to this day, I'm grateful for my dad because as a family, we continue to practice eating together as a family. Uh, and I continue to learn from Jesus how to ask questions that open up understanding and relationship. And so uh, dads, to all the dads and all the father figures, and uh, to all of us who have a father figure in our lives, happy Father's Day. Well, it's pretty much summer, and so I'm thinking about road trips. Have you got a road trip planned? Are you looking forward to it? 
or do you have kind of a love-hate relationship with road trips? I have been on more summer road trips than I can count, and these days, with the price of gasoline, I am counting the cost of road trips more than ever. I feel like in the 1970s, when we went to the cabin multiple times in the summer, that trip cost probably 10 bucks. By the 1990s, when I was a young adult, it probably cost 40 bucks. How much would that trip cost today? <laughs> too much, too much. I feel like the gasoline stations are really coming into their own and their names these days, like Shell. At Shell, we promise to thank you when you shell out more money than you ever have for gasoline. <laughs> or Esso, as so expensive. <laughs> road trips. I can remember one summer road trip that Monica and I took with our two-year-old daughter, Maya, about 15 years ago. And uh, I, I remember it so well, not because uh, it's so memorable, but because Monica keeps reminding me of this trip uh, because she didn't love it so much. In my passion for adventure, I was celebrating a milestone birthday that year, and uh, in my overachieving ways, I planned a 10-day trip with six stops. Six stops, it was gonna be awesome. Part one, we were gonna drive 600 kilometers across the province and stay at my mentor Peter and his wife Heather's place. Then the next day, we were gonna get up early and drive to another city. I was gonna do a triathlon and she was gonna be with the two-year-old for hours and hours in the stroller and that was gonna be awesome. Then we're gonna go back to Peter and Heather's place. Then next part, we were gonna drive a couple hundred more kilometers to camp on the Ottawa River and nearby was an animal park that I thought my two-year-old was gonna love. You know, those parks where you drive through and the animals stick their head in the window and all that kind of thing. She kind of liked it. She was kind of freaked out by that. And, uh, and then we were going to drive, and the next day, drive a few more hours to be with my wife's uh, sister in a small apartment in Montreal. Uh, then we we're going to uh, be there a couple days, and then we we're going to part five, head northwest again to stay at a bed and breakfast, and then why not do another one? So let's drive a few hundred more kilometers and stay at another bed and breakfast. It was so much fun. Uh, I don't know how many times I packed the car and how many times I crammed in suitcases and a tent and a stove and camping gear and a cooler. And then there was the bike and the running gear and the, and the swimming gear and, and, uh, and, and all the stuff that goes with having a toddler. And then let's make sure we don't forget the sunscreen and the snacks and the water bottles and the bathing suits and the rain gear and all of that in a Subaru wagon. It's fun, right? It seemed like a really good idea. And I remember as I unloaded half of the contents of the car one more time to find that one bag. Where is that bag that we need? I wasn't the most chill and patient kind of guy. I was a bit of a bear. And the problem is when I behave that way, the people around me don't feel very loved. So dads, maybe you can relate. It matters how well we love. And so today I'm gonna challenge us a bit. But most of all, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. And let me say something to the rest of us. I'm going to be focusing on dads and father figures, but if you're a young man, you're a young woman, uh, you're a woman uh, who's listening in, uh, you might have a dad or a husband or a man in your life that you look up to. So as you listen, would you pray for him? Would you look for ways that you can encourage him in the important role he has, even if not all his plans are awesome? I interviewed a few people recently about dads and I was curious about how we think about dads and how we feel about them and I asked three questions. First question was, what are common message about, messages about dads or common things people say? Here's what people said. Well, he's someone to look up to, someone to rely on. Others noticed that a common message is this understanding that the absence of dad has a, a big impact and that girls, especially who have a strong relationship with a father figure, tend to make much healthier choices in their lives. A teen said, dads are awesome. And a couple of them said, they have a lighthearted, kid-like kind of spirit. 
Another guy said that without dads, we struggle to understand God's love and we struggle to love God our Father. But most said that a dad's influence is powerful and important. The second question I asked was, if your dad is in your life, does being with your dad make a difference? And if so, what is that difference? Here's what they said. A couple guys said, well, not really. And I found that sad. But another guy said, even though I'm 46 years old, I still need my dad. Another said, when I was with my dad, I felt stronger. And one teen said, he's a male influence that I need. Another teen said, there are things I have learned and I have experienced that I wouldn't have with anyone else. The third thing I asked was, what has your dad taught you about God the Father's love? Or if he was a dad, what has being a dad taught you about God the Father's love? A teen said, well, a lot. He's an example for me of God's love and he shows it to me. That God's love is never changing, that God will always be there. Another said that he's passionate and he has a big heart. Another said that God the Father disciplines out of love. And another man talked about God's capacity to love, that it never, ever runs out. Guys, who we are and how we live and love is so important and it can make such a big impact. If you have kids or there are people who look up to you, you're probably making a bigger difference than you're aware, whether that's for good or not so good. And there are people who are modeling things after you, they're learning things from you, whether that's helpful or not so helpful. So here's the most important thing we need to hear from Jesus today. As you put God's love into practice with those you have influence with, God is going to do what he wants to do through you. Let me say that again. As you put God's love into practice with those you have influence with, God is going to do what he wants to do through you. And what is God wanting to do? What he wants to do through all of us, which is to make disciples of Jesus who know him, who follow him, who continue to grow up in him, and who also join in with what he's doing in the world. Does this seem like a tall task? Kind of like a road trip that you dread and love at the same time? Well, I think you're going to find some encouragement here today because we're going to see that how a man's smell can make us feel loved, which is good because most men have a special capacity for smell. Uh, I, I'm going to, we're going to see how Jesus shows us who we really are. We're going to hear how a, a World War II naval intelligence officer's confession can teach us something. We're going to see that love is strong enough for man, and we're going to see what love looks like practically. And for the rest of us, we're going to see how people who aren't dads or father figures can cheer for the dads in their life. We hear these cultural narratives of what makes a man a man. We hear about strong dads, and we hear that apparently, according to the New York Times, six and a half out of ten women find the dad bod attractive, which is good news, right? <laughs> Except it means that there's 0.5 women who aren't sure. We also hear that men are supposed to be steady, they're supposed to know how to fix anything, they should always be strong and courageous, they should persevere and they should get the job done. And no matter, you th no matter what you think about these ideas of being a man, I feel like there is this pressure, this pressure to live up to expectations and to be okay through anything. But who are we really? Who could say? And so for this, we're gonna turn to the pages of the Bible and we're gonna look at a key truth 
that we see in John's writings. Now you may know that John wrote a gospel which is about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. He also wrote three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He also wrote the book of Revelation. And I want to look carefully at what John said and what he emphasized because there's something here for dads. Do you remember three weeks ago Daniel showed us a word, uh, a word cloud? A word cloud represents the words that are most frequently mentioned in a piece of communication. And so as I was studying this letter to 1 John and, and John's writings, I was curious what a word cloud would look like for that letter. And I was surprised to see that the word father is mentioned 13 times in, in 1 John and 111 times in the Gospel of John, which is way more than any other book in the New Testament. And the contrast is even greater for the word love. And so I wondered, why did John emphasize father and love so much? Well, I think it's because he was the one who was closest to Jesus. He's a man who lived a very long life, and in such a challenging time, this man knew deep down that of all the things that God is, what matters most is that he is father to us. Which makes me ask, how can you know the love of the father for you? Well, through Jesus, of course. Jesus said, if you know me, you will know, also know my father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And John writes in 1 John chapter 1, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes God visible and tangible and knowable to us. And so what we're going to see is that made in the image of God, dads are meant to be a demonstration of the Father to others. And yet the truth is we're imperfect, right? We have limits. And so we struggle. And in response to that struggle, sometimes we just tune out and we check out. And we miss an important opportunity. But here's the thing, guys. You can be a physical demonstration of the presence and love of God to the people you have influence with. And you have so much impact simply by being present. I watched a movie recently based on the true story of Ewan Montague. He was a judge and a naval intelligence officer during the Second World War. And, uh, and his team was commissioned by Winston Churchill to create a plan that they believed could shift the tide of the war. The idea was to trick Nazi Germany into believing that the Allies were going to attack at a certain point and rally all of their resources to that point when in fact the Allies were planning to attack at a different place. There was so much riding on this. It was such an important project, tens of thousands of lives at stake. And if you ever thought your work was too important to ignore, Montague was a guy who knew that his work was important. And so in one scene, we see him talking with his assistant. He's talking about his life with his, his wife and his kids and the impact of his work. And he says this in an especially transparent moment. He says, I know I can be remote. I can get lost in my work. I'm not as attentive as I might be. We can hear his regret because he knows that it would be better to be more present with his family. But what can a man do, right? A man's got to do what a man's got to do. But dads, please, don't check out. Because your role is so important. Your presence makes such a difference. And God wants to show his love to others through you. 
The people who see you as a father figure are either being strengthened in their understanding of who God has made them to be, or not so much. The people in your influence are either being equipped in what Jesus wants to do and remake them to be and do through them, or not so much. But as a dad receives love from God the Father, he can join in with what God is doing. Let's dive into how this works. Jesus makes God the Father tangible. This is our first thing. Jesus makes God the Father tangible. John had said in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's a beautiful and poetic description of Jesus, and yet I feel like it can be a little bit intangible, hard to get our hands on. And so John then writes the rest of his gospel to show the stories of Jesus. We see the wedding at Cana and the conversation with Nicodemus and with the woman at the well. And then there's this healing of a man at the pool of Bethesda. And throughout these stories, we're brought near to God the Father through the presence and reality of Jesus. And that's what dad who, dads who know Jesus can be. And that's what we are, or at least it's what we can be and we can do. By being present, by getting close with our kids and close with those who know us, we can show the Father. And dads can bring others nearer to the Father through their relationship with the Son. Second, Jesus makes God relatable. And this is a point where many people stumble. Maybe you've found the father-child relationship difficult. Maybe you, like me, didn't find it easy relating to your dad. My dad was distant and indifferent. He had his addictions. And he was intensely introverted. And so no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't relate to him. But after years of following Jesus, God did a new thing in me. And more than 10 years ago, I was journeying through the emotionally healthy spirituality experience. Many of us here at Beulah experienced that last fall. And during that experience, we were asked to ask Jesus what he was wanting us to notice or what he was asking us to do. And I remember in response, as God brought my dad to mind, I remember saying to God, do you want me to create something out of nothing? And I remember the pain and the impossibility of it. But somehow I believed that Jesus could create something out of nothing. And so I surrendered to him and said, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And you know what? God did a new thing in me after that. And I found that I had a new love and a new graciousness with my dad that I hadn't had before. Here's one of the most deep, true things about you and me. If we are in relationship with Jesus, we are in relationship with God the Father. And if we are in relationship with God the Father, his love is in us. And if his love is in us, then we can make relationship with the Father a possible for others around us. Or we make him more relatable to those around us. Okay, so what does this practically, how does this impact us and how we live? Well, let's answer that by talking about a man's smell. Men have a smell to them, right? And I think you've probably noticed it starts in junior high. (laughs) I was riding bikes, uh, riding our bike with uh, Pastor Chris and a few of our friends a few weeks ago, and Chris was describing, uh, re-sharing about uh, the event, uh, youth event that had happened the night before. He had arrived partway through the event, and he said that as he came in the West Campus doors, the smell, the smell just hit him. He said, there's nothing like the smell of junior highs, nothing like it. Now, some of you think that's awesome, and others of you think that the boys should take a shower more often, or at least please use soap. 
Now guys, I know we can feel a special kind of pride at the reek that we have when we come out of the woods after a week in the woods, and yet we know how to ax the aroma. We know how to freshen up the fragrance and tame the tiger. And here's my point, and there actually is a point. I can still appreciate the smell of my grandpa decades later. The sweet, musty grandpa-ness about him. The scent of his aftershave. And the smell of fresh ground coffee on his clothes. I like the smell of my grandpa. What did Jesus smell like? I mean, he and his friends traveled a lot, right? Twelve dudes, a few women, and Jesus. Sometimes on the road for days and days and days at a time. What did Jesus smell like? And as John leaned back on Jesus' chest, which apparently he did, we see one moment of that in John 21, what was it like to be so close to Jesus that you could smell him? I think it's from that memory that John writes this in his letter. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. John had known Jesus so personally, so closely, and he says, look at how God has shown his love for us. See, that's the great love the Father has given us. What love, John? Show me this love. It's the love that God the Father has for God the Son. You see, before Jesus did anything, God the Father said, this is my beloved Son. God was proud of his Son. And so, when John says, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, it's like he's shouting and he's celebrating that if you believe in Jesus, God calls you his child, and he loves you. That's who you are. You're loved. And so listen, dads, before you set an example, before you do anything, earn anything, fix anything, before you show strength or have an answer, God is proud to call you his kid. He's proud to call you his kid. So let's take a closer look at how this love of God the Father made a difference through Jesus and how it can make a difference through us. There's a story you may know in the Bible about uh, a man who's, been, who's paralyzed and lying beside a pool and then Jesus heals him. We pick up the story in John 5, verse 8, and, and Jesus simply tells him, get up. And so the man gets up and begins to walk and he says, pick up your mat and go home. And so that's what the man does which was a problem because the day on which Jesus happened to heal this man and the day on which this man happens to be carrying his mat is the Sabbath. And Sabbath carrying on, and, and mat carrying on the Sabbath is a no-no. And so this draws attention to Jesus and the religious authorities are persecuting him as a result of this. Now, Jesus could have started a theological debate with these guys about their religious practice, but no, he raises it a notch, even higher, and he claims that he is one with God the Father. Let's pick it up here where Jesus replies to them. Jesus responded to them. My Father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does... The Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. 
few moments later, he then says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jewish authorities debated in this day about whether or not God kept the Sabbath. And some, that God, some thought that God had a right to work on the Sabbath because he was God, but that the way he worked didn't break the Sabbath somehow. So here comes Jesus claiming the right to work on the Sabbath because God is his father and that he is the son who fathers in his father's footsteps, which would invoke for them an understanding that they had in their culture. Uh, Jesus was making an incredibly impressive claim here. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now catch this. Theologian D.A. Carson observes, Jesus was not setting himself up as being another God or somehow beside God. No, he was saying that he was entirely dependent on God the Father, subordinate to him, and he only does what the Father does, which is an incredible claim. He was claiming to be one with God. The next verse tells us why the Son does whatever the Father does. In verse 20, because the Father loves the Son. And Jesus is referencing this cultural experience they had, right? As Jesus was growing up as as a young boy and then as a young man, his earthly father, Joseph, would have been showing him everything about how to make things with his hands, which is similar to maybe some things that you do. Like a number of weeks ago this spring, uh, I went with my daughter and we took the car over to Pastor Keith's house. Keith lives in the same neighborhood as we do. And we were gonna switch the snow tires off and put the all seasons on. And so after I cranked the jack and lifted the car, Maya took the power impact driver and with a bit of instruction, she zoop, 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 right? She took those lug nuts off and then what do you do next? Well, you kick the tire to loosen it, you pull it off and then you put on the new tire and put on the new lug nuts and then zoop, 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 right? You, You fasten the tire on, you lower the car and then use the torque wrench to make sure that they're tight enough. She's learned by watching and now she's got it. My dad never showed me this stuff. And for years, I would just take the car to the shop twice a year and I'd say, okay, you could just watch, swap the tires and thank them and pay them, of course. But a few years ago, Keith said to me, he said, why do you do that? Like, let's just save the money and you come and let's do it in the driveway. And so he and I have been teaching my daughter in the last year and one day she's gonna be able to teach someone else. Why did Keith do this for us? Because he loves us. And why do I do this for my daughter? because I love her. And the same with Jesus. Because the Father loves the Son, he shows him what he's doing. And because the Son loves the Father, he does whatever he sees the Father doing. This is the greatest demonstration of love and is the greatest example of what fatherhood looks like. So what does this mean for us? Receive love from God the Father and join God in what he's doing by loving others with his love. Yeah, but some guys are thinking, I think, is love strong enough for a man? And I think you mean more than is it macho enough? Where's macho? Oh yeah, there's El Macho. I don't know if you've seen the Minion movies, uh, Despicable Me movies, this is El Macho. A macho is a caricature of manhood but I think we've matured enough to see that maleness is so much more than macho-ness and inappropriate chest hair. Seriously, I think we can wonder if love is strong enough and tangible enough and powerful enough to change a child, change a family, change a city. Apparently it is. 
In one of the longest psalms in the Bible, Psalm 18, a song that's all about the strength and supply of God for the battles that we face. It's all about battle and about God's provision for that. The opening line says, I love you, Lord. Why does he say that? Why does he say that here? Well, I think it's because love from God and love for God is so powerful. Let me come at this another way. Can I talk about the Colorado avalanche for a second? Be careful. I don't know if you saw the end of the series, the avalanche we're in with the, 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 the St. Louis Blues. It was another astonishing finish. Uh, and five and a half seconds before the end of the third period, the tie-breaking goal was scored. And right away, the avalanche are celebrating and the Blues are leaning on their sticks. And then they dutifully got in line for the handshake thing. And if you'd seen that moment, you might have noticed something in the commentary because over and over again, the commentator was highlighting the fact of how much these guys respect each other. They battled for six games, somebody had won, and now they were shaking hands. And they pat each other on the shoulder, they even thumped each other on the chest. Respect. And I think guys get this. We want respect and we give respect. And so I think we can think, well, love is fine and good, but what we really need is respect and power and strength. And so we need to hear this. I need to hear this. By the time John writes this letter, he had already witnessed decades of indescribable destruction against followers of the way of Jesus. The Roman emperor had been persecuting Christians for years, and it is in that world that John writes so much about the, the Father and his love. After knowing Jesus for decades, John knew the transformative power of love. John knew that God's love transforms a child, a family, a neighborhood, even an enemy, and a city. See what great love the Father has given us, John says, because God's love is powerful. And so, yes, love is strong enough for a man. Now, that said, putting love into practice isn't easy. To quote... uh, Best-selling author Chris McChesney says easy, does hard. Love is not easy and love is not always well-received. You can get this reaction that seems to say, I don't want what you're offering. I don't want what you're calling me to. So we can be tempted to just check out, fine. You don't want me to speak? You don't want me to help? Fine. I'm just going to flip on the TV and watch the NHL team from Canada that's still in the NHL playoffs that doesn't exist says easy, does hard. But God never checks out. God stands up, steps in, and he does something. Motivated by love, Jesus stepped into the human story, showed us the Father, and then did what the Father wanted to do. And this shows us how we are to live. Through our relationship with Jesus, we receive the Father's love, and we act on his love. So watch how Jesus did it, right? His pattern was to step aside from the crowds, step aside from his schedule, to take time to just be with his father, to listen to him, and to notice what he was doing. Do you regularly take time to just be with your father in heaven, to hear from him, to notice what he's doing? And secondly, Because he loved him, the father showed the son what he was doing, and because Jesus loved his father, he did whatever the father was doing. And so as you receive God's love and you live in that love, you're going to be able to recognize what God is doing. 
And you're going to be able to put his love into practice with those you have influence with. God is actually going to do what he wants to do through you. So what does this practically look like to receive and give the love of the Father to others? Well, four things. First, receive the Father's love daily. You never outgrow your need for your dad. So take that time to be with him, listen to him, and notice what he's doing. Secondly, stay focused on the goal of making disciples. In our last series, we saw that this is our most central aim, to make disciples of Jesus. Dads, this is at the center of your calling. So remember, stay focused on this goal. And third, since model behavior is one of the best teachers, model a life and ways and love of Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do life together. We need to be part of community in order to know the Father's love and to share the Father's love. You can't go this alone and you can't do this alone. Jesus didn't. He lived life in community with others. And so that is the way, pattern of living for us. To gather and grow and give and go together. It's in this way that we grow in understanding Jesus. We grow in understanding his love and his grace. We learn what that looks like and what faithfulness looks like. We learn how to serve others. We learn how to grow up. Next, let your love be real. As you share life with others, Romans 12, 9 says simply, let love be genuine, which means you're going to need to be vulnerable and you're actually going to encourage other people which means for many guys, saying no to dude disorder. Dustin Willis says in his book, Life in Community, one thing that prevents us from being encouraging is what I call dude disorder. This is an area where guys need to man up. I want to call out fellows and combat the pride that runs rampant among us. He continues, pride hinders our ability to affirm. Men, we must lead the way in speaking sustaining truth to the people in our lives. Too often, Christian groups consist of meeting over a meal and then zinging one another verbally. And then when the time comes to talk about the Bible in real life, the guys go mute. He said, rather than trying to outplay our brothers and show everyone else how witty we can be, what if we spoke graciously and kindly to others? Think about what brings you joy and hope. Is it when a coworker criticizes you in front of your coworkers? Or is it when a guy actually comes up to you and says, I'm honored to call you friend. And you know what? You do good work. I think the answer is obvious. Let your love be genuine. How else can we model the life and ways and love of Jesus? Well, let your strength show. God the Father's love is strong. And so therefore, let the strength that you have from him be used to lift others up, to encourage them, to strengthen them that they could love others with his love. And lastly, let your love be patient and kind. Years ago, I used to talk regularly with a guy named Neil. Neil was in his 80s at the time, and he had been married 60 years by this point. And there was this day when another friend of mine who was in the same life stage as I was, uh, he and I were talking with Neil and we were sharing about the frustrations and, and uh, challenges of raising children and, and family life. And Neil had just one word for us. 
with a little bit of glint in his eye, he simply said, absorb. Absorb, are you kidding me? Do you understand what we have to deal with, what, what it's like trying to raise little kids? And of course he did. He didn't have the same kids, but he understood the same challenges. Absorb, he said. How do you absorb? By the life of Jesus working in you. Right? Jesus showed us the patience of God. Jesus chose to stay and serve until he had fulfilled what his father had assigned him. And so in Christ and by his power in you, be transformed and patiently wait on God. Remain and show the kindness of God working through you. Can I state the obvious here? This way of life is going to cost us, right? But Jesus doesn't have another way. You're not going to be a perfect example, but as one person said, even though you're an imperfect example, you are a living one. And so receive the love of the Father and keep moving in his love for you and for those around you. You might know that I love to swim and bike and run as an expression of my, of my life with Jesus and who he's made me to be. Uh, and every few years, I like to tackle a big triathlon just for some extra fun. And so in 2017, I entered the Half Ironman in Whistler, BC. And I was so much looking forward to the swim in the mountain lake and the, and the climbs up the, the passes and the zooming descents and the very scenic run. And so on race day, I felt great in the swim. I felt very good on the bike until the last about quarter of it. And there was so much altitude we had, we had climbed during this ride. And the last climb back to town felt like it went on forever. And the energy was just draining out of me. But then I was energized as I saw my wife, Monica, and my daughters, Maya and Ellie. They were there at that transition from the bike to the run. And there were their smiles and their faces and the high fives. And I was, I was like, man, I was ready to take on 21 kilometer run. And so for four or five K, I was awesome. And then we got out of town and it got real quiet and hot. And I started to walk. And I just wanted to sit down and call for a burger. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I want to keep going. And then the quiet of that moment, I heard three things. I'm loved no matter what. My family is going to be glad to see me no matter when I arrive. And I can make it to the next aid station. Guys, you are loved no matter what. Because when you believe in Jesus, God calls you his child. And Jesus has brought you into the relationship that he has with the Father. Keep on returning to that. Keep on receiving the love of your Father for you. And secondly, guys, your presence makes a difference. Whether you have little kids or young adult kids, or there's people in your life who look up to you, let Jesus transform you with his love and your presence will be a living reminder a living reminder of God the Father's presence and love. And dads, guys who set an example for others, just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward with Jesus as you show the Father's love. And by the Holy Spirit in you, you can always make it to the next aid station. Your time with the Father, he's gonna show you his love. He's gonna keep on showing you his love. And then your time in community with others, 
you're going to be strengthened, you're going to grow, you're going to be fueled to keep on going, putting his love into action. So can we respond together? We've been talking about receiving the Father's love and then acting on his love. Let's stand and let's sing this song of blessing over one another.
your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. good to sing over one another. He is for you. He's for you. Dads, your role is so important. Your, you, your role matters so much. Your presence makes a difference. So keep on receiving the love of the Father. And keep on acting on his love. Can I pray for us? Let's pray together. Jesus, pour out your grace. May your favor be on these men. Every one of them, that someone is looking up to them, every one of them who's a dad. May your favor be on them, that they would know who they are in you and that your love for them would sink deeper and deeper and deeper into their souls. And out of that, there'd be a wellspring of love, your love, which is for the people around them. Jesus, thank you. Praise you that you are for us in this way. And so we bless your name. Amen.